Hey, thanks for pressing play on this episode of Saw Something Scary. This is Jeff, just checking in with you guys. We had planned for a new review to release this week, but unfortunately, Derek had a death in his family that required him to travel, so that plan got put on hold for a week. I thought this would be a good time to release a classic episode from the archive. This one has been off our feed for some time because of a hosting issue, and I'm excited to have the chance to re-release it. The film is one of Derek and my favorites, and it also squares up nicely with their recent review of Twister. That movie is, as you already know from the title of the episode, 2001's Frailty, and this episode you're about to listen to uh, is our 10th ever. We recorded it back in April of 2017. I hope you guys enjoy this trip on the time machine, and we'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Okay, let's get going with our review of Frailty from 2017. All right, welcome to another episode of Saw Something Scary. Uh, my name is Derek Zhu. Alongside me, as always, is Jeff Wright. We are coming to you live from the Rose Garden, and we are very excited to uh, to be uh, doing a, a movie that I think is... Uh, a favorite of both of ours. I, I know definitely it is mine, and I'd say that probably, Jeff, I'd, if I'm talking for you, be the same thing for you. I uh, hate that the reason we're doing it is because of what's going on, but we are reviewing Frailty this week and uh, in honor of the uh, the late Bill Paxton. And so that it sucks, man. Yeah, it really does. That's he, one of the good guys. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was always a lot of fun, and, you know, you look at his IMDb page and you wouldn't expect him to be in so much stuff, but he, you know, he, he popped up in all sorts of things. It's uh, one of those IMDb, IMDb pages that keeps going. Yeah. You just keep going, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, the first thing, the first thing on his IMDb page is Titanic. Oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I'd forgotten that he was in Titanic until I went, you know, went back and saw it. Um, but before we get into stuff with Bill Paxton, Let's let's go miscellaneous. Anything that you want to talk about? Any kind of horror movie news or any kind of movie news that you want to talk about? I I saw Logan this week. We can talk about that if you want to. Well, yeah. Give me a thought. I haven't seen Logan yet. That's okay. an oddity for me. But basically, what happened with Logan is I missed it on the opening weekend, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, I'll get that as soon as I can because that's in my wheelhouse. But you, along with some other people in my life, said, eh. so yeah, man. Um, I will say this. Definitely go see it. Um, it's a great movie. But I had so many people talking to me on Twitter and Facebook and all sorts of stuff saying, like, this is the greatest comic book movie of all time. Even putting it, even surpassing it uh, uh, from The Dark Knight. You know, it's surpassing The Dark Knight, which, of course, is blasphemy in my opinion. I know yours, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, so went and saw it on Sunday and uh, enjoyed it. But, man, I I think it's overhyped. You know, I really do. You're not the you're not the only person who's told me that, and it's really disappointing to me because, like everybody, I've enjoyed uh, Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine. That yeah. seems like perfect casting. Sure. And I've read that he said this is his last Wolverine unless Marvel Studios pick back up the rights to the X Men characters. I just hate to see it go out on that note. Yeah, I would. I mean, don't get me wrong. Out of the three Wolverine centric movies, you know, uh, Origins, The Wolverine, and Logan. This is by far the best of the of those three. Okay. Um, I would even probably tell you that it's in the top four in X Men movies. Okay. Um, but uh, I mean, they are a mixed bag. But some of yeah. those have been really good. What What would you think? Like, what's your favorite X Men movie? And probably you can, you can put Deadpool in that category too. Well, um, for me, it's probably First Class. Okay. I really enjoyed everything about that movie. Okay. So 
Um, I would probably say uh, Days of Future Present. Yeah. Or Days of Future Past. I forget the, the actual. Days of Future Past. Okay, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, that would probably be my, my favorite. And then Deadpool right beside it. Yeah. Um, and then probably X2. I was, I was a big X2 fan. Is X2 the one where Magneto leads the mutants, like the evil brotherhood of, uh, excuse me, brotherhood of evil mutants against the X-Men when he, he lifts the Golden Gate Bridge? No. Off its moorings. Um, this one is, uh, X2 is where Brian Cox, uh, of Autopsy of Jane Doe fame plays uh, Stryker. And we can start getting into how Wolverine was made. Yeah. Yeah. That's a um, good one, too. Yeah. I, I don't believe that that's where he lifts the Golden Gate Bridge. That's the third one, right? Yeah. With that's Phoenix, the one that is just terrible. To use our phrase. Yeah. It's, it's a garbage fire, yeah. for sure. It's a dumpster fire, for sure. Um, yeah. But I thought the second one was really good. I, I thought at the time the second one was probably the best superhero movie ever Another made. And, I mean, you're looking at 2003. Yeah. You know. Um, Hard to argue. Yeah. And I would put it in that in that range. Like of those of those three or four, um, I wasn't a huge first class fan. Uh, mm-hmm. it, t- it took a couple of viewings for me to actually enjoy it uh, because again, I, it was overhyped by the time I went and saw it. Oh, like, sure. oh, this is the greatest thing ever, and I was like, yeah, it's not really that good. Uh, so it took me a couple times to to actually watch it before I was like, yeah, that that is actually a really good movie. I would normally blame blame. I would normally say that that's my favorite because of my you know loving comic books, mm-hmm. but there's nothing particularly in the books. That make me think first class would have, you know, pushed me in that direction. But really, I love the Old Man Logan series yeah. that this movie was based on. And so to hear that it's, you know, come short yeah. is just an extra layer of disappointment. Well, I, have, I, I guess i got to be clear on it. I don't think that it falls short, but it falls short of the hype. Does that make sense? Okay, so solid movie, just it's, not yeah, it's the greatest ever. Yeah, it's a solid movie, um, but it's not... This is just is just like the Dark Knight, or this is just this is just as good. Um, I thought that the first Iron Man movie was better. I thought that uh, obviously the Dark Knight was better. Um, I'd even probably tell you that Deadpool was a better movie. But it's if those are the top echelon, then it's right underneath it. Okay. So um, yeah, definitely go see it, but don't don't buy into all of the hype that it's being that's being given. I think I had misunderstood you. I'd had some people tell me that basically. Hey, just make this a rental, you know. So you're not saying that. You're saying no. I'd go, go watch it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I still think it's worth your money. Um, I'd even go on like a Tuesday when you know all the tickets are five dollars. The best time to go. Yeah. But uh, and actually, I didn't know this, but the Adam app over the weekend uh, gave five dollars off tickets. Oh. Yeah. Well, I wish I would have known that. Yeah. Yet. So me and my uh, my buddy Big Al Haston, who's a big fan of the podcast, hey, he uh, he got his tickets for like three bucks a piece. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, um, you said there's a new Deadpool, if not trailer, like a... Yeah, it's like a teaser. Teaser. Yeah. And it's it's really just, uh, I think it's really just something that they wanted to tag on to, to, you know, put a little more emphasis on the fact that there's a Deadpool 2 coming and, you know, make fans salivate a little bit more on it. And that worked for you, right? Yeah, man. I'm all in on that character. I, I mean, Ryan Reynolds, talking about Hugh Jackman being perfect for Wolverine, Ryan Reynolds is perfect for Deadpool. Born to play the role. Yeah. Was it X two where he first played the Deadpool character? Origins, Origins, but they they ended up goofing up the yeah, character. Yeah, really, there. really bad. That I remember coming out of that one going, "Oh my gosh, you had the perfect casting." Yeah, and you somehow managed to fail to deliver the character. Yeah, and sewed his mouth shut. Uh, yeah, exactly. It, I mean, it was just it was really, really uh, weird. And of course, 
course, but now it gives you fodder or gave them fodder for the first one, and I'm sure that they'll make some jokes about it in the second one as well. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's a real fun thing. You can see it online now. Um, actually, there's a there's a longer version of it online as opposed to what I saw in uh, in the theater. Uh, that actually has a Stanley cameo. The Stanley cameo oh, yeah. apparently got cut in the uh, the teaser, uh, uh, theatrical teaser. Okay. Yeah. So. How much longer are we going to be able to have Stan Lee cameos, man? You know that there's a there's a rumor, or it might be fact by now, I'm not sure, but he apparently filmed like four or five of them. They took him in the studio one day, and they were like, hey, Stan, we're just going to film like four or five for the next several Marvel movies great. just in case. Because dude's over 90. He's like yeah, 93. Um, I read this year that he has, his eyesight has degenerated so badly that he can't read comic books anymore. Oh, man. Which is like the universe just shouldn't work that yeah. way. Yeah. That's yeah. that's really sad. Hey, great. Good for them for thinking ahead yeah. that way. I mean, it's a little morbid, I guess, but it's also very respectful. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm not ready for the world to not have Stanley in it, but. No. I wish we could have done that uh, for Jack Kirby. I wish Jack Kirby could have gotten involved with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He, he created so much of this, mm-hmm. and just the way things played out for him is, is really a tragedy. So I, we we got to take care of Stan as long as we can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. National treasure. Yeah, we don't have Bob Kane anymore, so we got to. No. Oh, dude, we got to talk sometime about how bad I hate Bob Kane. Yeah, yeah we uh, we need to dig him up and burn his bones. <laughs> <laughs> That's a conversation for a different time, yeah, I guess. Golly, man, I got morbid quick. Yeah. Um, hey, I I do want to mention. I've told you this before, but obviously we haven't told the podcast. Uh, I saw it Get Out the second time this week. It, it, it might be better than watching it for the first time. Really? Yeah, because I went and saw it with somebody who hadn't seen it. Oh, that's fun. And just getting to watch her reactions to it. It was my feature uh, that was working with me mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend. And getting to see her reactions to different stuff. And then me leaning in and being like, hey, did you notice he picked his own cotton there? And her <laughs> being like, what is this world? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was great. And so, man, that movie. Speaking of a movie that holds up or like that exceeds expectations, I don't, I don't think anything else is going to beat it this year. No, that's really the the hype for me. You know, I was like, oh, I should win all the awards yeah. and all that stuff. I'm still there. Yeah. I know it's been a week, but I, I kind of have a sense of expectations just having watched years of movies come out. Right. And this one, in the previous years I'm familiar with, would put it at the very top. Sure. So, unless I expect this to be just a golden year for cinema, I'm expecting this thing to end up at the end of the year, standing up above the rest of the crowd going, yeah, I'm, I'm still it. So. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I want to watch it again in theaters before it gets out, um, and I also can't wait to see it on Blu-ray. I think you said that he uh, Jordan Peele tweeted out that you want to watch it in the theater, right? But still get the Blu-ray because the commentary, yeah, the, the director right. commentary is going to be lit. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Too. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, can we just go ahead and say once again? I think we ought to say it every week on the podcast until award season. Uh, but give Betty Gabriel every award possible. I told you, friend that of the podcast, Betty Gabriel, friend who, of the podcast, favorite in a tweet of ours. Yeah, that's the one thing I wanted to highlight. Just that Betty Gabriel, <laughs> at one point in her life, briefly knew our podcast existed, <laughs> and assigned a heart to it with a, a touch of her phone or whatever. Yeah. That woman's incredible. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm now a devotee of Miss Gabriel. Okay, and I will be watching whatever she chooses to grace with her talents. Absolutely. Yeah, such a great movie. Hey, let me throw this at you. Sure. So I have been one of those guys who had a blog for years and years and years and still has a blog. Uh, I'm willing to be that passe. <laughs> uh, back in the earlier days of my blog, 
I had friends who, when Halloween would come around, say, hey, you're one of those weirdos who likes horror movies. So why don't you give me a good horror movie to rent? So in 2008, October 30th of 2008, I published a post on my blog called Underrated Scary Movies. Okay. Or Last Minute Movie Options for Halloween. What were my criteria? These films aren't classics of the genre, so I didn't go for Halloween or Exorcist or anything like that. The fright payoff justifies the time to rent and watch, so I wasn't saying there's just one scene. But, you know, overall, you're going to be scared enough here to make this uh, worth your time. And then my last one was that the odds are high that these movies are still on the shelf. Because back in 2008... Right, you could still rent movies. There were still stores that yeah. had shelves where you could rent movies. So I'm going to run through this list real quick. Sure. There's only five. Uh, tell me if you've seen them and what your initial thought is on them. Okay. Number five, I listed The Frighteners, Michael J. Fox's movie. Oh, man. I have seen that, but it's been so long. Okay. We, we might not need to come back to that one on Saw Something Scary. Yeah. Uh, Outpost. Nazi ghosts. Did you ever see Outposts? (laughs) Outpost? I I have to say that I have not. Okay. Uh, We might need to come back to that one. Sure. Here's one. The Descent. Okay. You've seen The Descent? Yeah. Uh, That's still one of the ones that my wife says is the scariest thing she's ever seen. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. She was terrified by that. Which, by the way, we what we did is that Halloween, we went out in the woods and we put a uh, projector up. Okay. And we ran a, um, one of those things called... Uh, a generator. We ran a generator over the hill. Holy smokes, Projected out in the woods. It was, it was, it, we did it right that year, nice. so I think that probably enhanced it. Number two, uh-huh. Frailty. Bill Paxton, Matthew nice. McConaughey. Yeah. And the only one that I put ahead of air, uh, movie tonight, Event Horizon. Really? Yeah. Okay. Event Horizon is near and dear to my heart. I would love to watch that and sometime on the podcast. We need to do it, man. Here's the thing. I'm looking back over the list. Other than The Descent, I think, unless you're pretty much the kind of person who will have or listen to a horror movie podcast, these are still underrated scary movies that I would put in front of someone and say, this will be worth your time this Halloween. It's crazy to me that movie we just watched is still, outside of the horror community, kind of below the radar. I told you there's a filter on the um, the image that I think dates it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But other than that, that movie is fresh. Yeah. Uh, it holds right It up. really does hold. Um, could we put The Shack on your list? The Shack is on my list of movies that I would only find useful if I could somehow wipe my hand in <laughs> with their uh, script. It offends me as a Christian that The Shack exists. Dude, one of my, one of my great pet peeves is that every year at Easter, some Hollywood corporation or whatever trots out some schlocky, pseudo-Christian cash grab. You're not talking about the resurrection of Gavin Stone, are you? I've not seen the resurrection of Gavin Stone, but it's got to be better than The Shack. I do remember a couple years ago, The uh, the Boy Who Went to Heaven, or whatever. Heaven is for yeah, real. Yeah, yeah, it's for real. It's this, you know, like, hey, come out and feel warm and fuzzy right here at Easter time. God's not dead, he's surely alive, that stuff. And then we'll all feel good for having gone to the cinema and fought the culture <laughs> war. There have been Christian films made that I really love. Sure. Uh... I watched one last year, just barely last year, called The River Thief by M.D. Wilson. Okay. That's an incredible movie. Yeah. Uh, it, I wish everybody would watch it. Yeah. I wish I could take everyone going to see The Shack, snatch them right out of there, rapture them right out of there Ooh, maybe even, yeah. and deposit them in M.D. Wilson's film. But these uh, these Easter-timed 
cash grab stuff. It just turned my stomach. You also told me you're a huge fan of the Left Behind series with Nicolas Cage. Matter of fact, I told you the complete opposite. Any other version of the Left Behind oh. series you want to try to? I'm there. sorry. Yeah. I, I, for some reason, heard <laughs> Nicolas Cage and uh, Nicolas Cage and Left Behind. I thought that was something that was that was high on your high yeah. On your that, there was a no. mis- failure okay. to communicate there. That's fair. Something like that. It's fair. I thought you said that it was right above Split. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> no. Uh, well, we're talking about underrated scary movies. Where are we? Why are we in this handbasket? This is what the shack does to you. Yeah. It's it erases cognitive function. Uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, the shack or any movie with Shaq? <laughs> oh, for sure. I'll watch any movie with Shaq. There's comedic value there. Hey, know. man, Blue Chips is an underrated movie. It's hard for me to admit this in public, but I watched Blue Chips within the last two years. Really? Huge Penny Hardaway fan. Yeah. It's one of my favorite basketball players of all time, and I just thought, it's been a minute, and we'll go back and watch it. So. Yeah. Does that hold up? Eh, I mean, it depends on probably what you thought of it the first time. Yeah. You know? Well, I was a like an eight-year-old kid that <laughs> loved Shaq and Penny Hardaway, so I thought, I thought it was the it was awesome. movie ever. There is a football movie called The Program. Yeah. It's about college football that... Uh, and like the seedy underbelly of college football at the yeah. time. I thought that movie was good when it came out, mm-hmm. and I thought it held up pretty well over the years. Blue Chips isn't quite on that level. Does the program have James Conn in it? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that is a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Before we jump into Frailty, I did sure. want to go through Paxton just a moment. I wanted to go through his IMDb with you. Yeah. Because as we said, there's, oh, that, 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 that. Here, here's my question. Okay. Top three Bill Paxton movies in your heart. In my heart? Mm -hmm. Number one, Twister. Twister. Number two, Frailty. Number three, oh man. Let me think about that for a second. You want me to feed you some? (sighs) Yeah. Aliens. Okay. Weird Science. Okay. Near Dark. You ever seen Near Dark? Yeah. Plays a vampire? Yeah. I've actually never seen that. That was one I wanted to get to this week, too. Um, Probably Aliens. Aliens. Yeah. That probably put him on the map. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm just gonna let you revise this real okay. quick. Throw it at me. Um Tombstone. Oh yeah. True Lies. Yeah. Apollo thirteen. Um he was in Titanic, as you mentioned. Mighty Joe Young. It's gotta be Mighty Joe Young. That's right. Number one, Mighty Joe Young. U five seventy one. Number two, U five seventy one. And uh I've never watched Big Love. I know that wasn't a, a movie, but and number three, Edge of Darkness. All right, so... Oh, he was in Nightcrawler too. That's crazy. With Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Forgot all about that, I man. just watched that not too long ago. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was like a competitor. That's right, he wanted was. to bring yeah. Gyllenhaal's character on board. Yeah. That dude, man, we're going to miss Bill Paxton. We're going to be sitting around watching a movie and looking at one of the leads going, I wish you were Bill Paxton yeah. instead of whoever you are. Yeah. Well, you know, we, uh, we talked about it last week, and then we talked about it a couple weeks before that, that people used to get him and Bill Pullman. Confused mm-hmm. so much, and that was even one of those hacky jokes that all my stand-up comic friends were writing on Facebook the day they passed away. It was like oh, R.I.P. Oh, oh, oh. to Bill Pullman and all this stuff, and I just wanted to be like, why? By burying them right here, you mean all your former friends? Yeah, yeah, on yeah. Social media, yeah, all the people that I unfriended. Yeah, um, or they hear this and oh well, yeah, you, and, you don't and, care. Yeah, I'm scared and know that know that they had a hacky joke. <laughs> Not a big deal. <laughs> okay. I'm just very sensitive. It's easy to offend me. So I assume that about stand-up comedians who I figure are people who just have the thinnest skin in the world. Just throwing tomatoes at people online. All right, so I'm going to do my version of that thing I asked you. Okay. Twister's not on there. We're shutting this podcast down. Well, it's hard to leave it off. All right. But I met him 
1985 with Weird Science. Okay. Did you ever see Weird Science? That's the first movie I can remember ever watching. Do you not know who is in Weird Science? Well, I mean, I, I know Bill Paxton's in it. I know that super hot chick named uh, Kelly LeBrock is in it. Yeah, who else? Who am I mentioning? You're forgetting. You're forgetting my ultimate man crush and the greatest actor of our generation. Oh, that's right. Downey's in it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, Bill Paxton plays Chet. He does. And I, that's the first movie character I ever hated. Okay. Was Chet. Fair enough. Um, it's hard for me not to go Twister. Yeah. But number two would be Frailty for me. Uh, for all the reasons we're going to talk about. Right. And number one is actually Tombstone. I, yeah. Tombstone is a candidate for my favorite movie of all time. Okay. I know that's a big statement. When I was a kid, my dad was a hardworking dude. Didn't have a lot of time for, he didn't find his recreation in entertainment. Mm -hmm. He found his recreation in like building something new, you know, working. So one of the few genres that my dad would sit down and watch and then I could watch with him, was Westerns. Okay. And so Westerns have always held a special place in my heart. And Tombstone, to me, is the highest version of the genre. The Val Kilmer, uh, Doc Holliday. Man, uh, that's one of the most indelible characters yeah. uh, in my entire experience of cinema. And so Twister ends up off the list because I have deeply personal connections to these other three movies. Sure. But Twister's incredible. How do you yeah. leave it off any list? Yeah. But yeah, so I'm going to go... Weird Science, Frailty, Tombstone. Okay. I, I will probably go, uh, if we're going from three to one, I'd probably go Tombstone, Frailty, Twister. Okay. Because Twister, I think I said it last week on the podcast, but Twister for a, a very long period of time was my favorite movie ever. Um, it was hard it was, to argue, man. Yeah. It was, it was a movie that I saw in like a really, really nice theater in Nashville. So like, and, and you remember just the, the, the sound effects that were in that movie and just the effects that were in that movie and everything. I just, I had never experienced anything like that in the, in the movies before. And it really was one of those movies where I was like, man, if I can grow up and make something like that, that'll be amazing. That's what I want to do. And, uh, well, you're talking about those effects. You're right. That's the thing that stands out to me. Looking back on my experience of that movie when it first came out, I didn't care that Paxton was in it. I didn't care about Philip Seymour Hoffman. I, Cared about the flying cow, yeah, and all these special effects. Uh, but they were so well done that um, Universal Studios, I guess, mm -hmm. in one of their movie rides, you basically went on the Twister experience. So it was revolutionary for the time. But what has kept that movie relevant is the acting there. Yeah, and think about what we have lost from that cast. Mm. Uh, it's it's a tragedy just looking at the people who should have many years ahead of them. Sure. Uh, who were in that cast that we we won't hear anything more from apart from some discovery of something in a vault somewhere. Yeah. It's a pretty down note. Yeah. Speaking of which, where's Helen Hunt? Has she just fallen off the pl face of the planet or? Haven't heard from Helen Hunt in a while. Yeah. Um, let's see what IMDb says. She has done nothing of note according to IMDb. Maybe she's taking some time off. No idea, but that's a that's one that you would have thought would be working still and yeah. Garnering lots of attention. but Yeah. Like, the last thing I can remember in was As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. Like, that was 20, uh, maybe not 20 years ago, but 15, 16 years ago. Maybe you scroll down through here. In 2011, she was in something called Jock the Hero Dog. Oh, that sounds terrible. She was in Shots Fired in 2017, some kind of television series. I'm going to say that she probably needs to take a look at her agent and ask some tough questions. Yeah. 
Helen, we miss you. If you yeah. hear this, honey, we we want to hear from you. Yeah, come on back to us, Helen. We we need you. Do do Twister too. <laughs> what that even look like? Okay. We collect the data. <laughs> Alright, Derek Zoo, tell me about this movie we just watched. What was uh, it called? It's called Frailty. When do you remember, how, how do you remember encountering Frailty for the first time? This movie was on my radar uh, when it first was released because I was working at the movie theater. And it feels like that when I was working at the movie theater that I was there every day of the week. Uh, when I know that that's not completely true. Uh, but I never got the chance to watch it. Uh, and the main reason that I never watched it was because I was like, oh, it's Matthew McConaughey. It's probably not going to be the best movie. Oh, that's uh, ironic. Yeah. All the ladies out there are oh, yeah. quite upset with sure. you. Sure. Um, and so then I think I think it was probably a couple years before uh, I actually watched it. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the first time I saw it was with our boy Kenny Fields when he and I were living together in our first apartment. And he was like, dude, you got to see this movie. And I was just like, well, man, I don't. I no, I'm good. He's like, no, really. It's a really, really good movie. So we sat down and watched it, and I was hooked. And it was one of those, it was one of those John Locke moments where I was like, you want to watch that again? Uh. <laughs> so, what was your recollection? You said you're working at the movie theater. What's yeah. your recollection of the uh, the attention it was getting at air at the movie theater you worked at? Um, not not great. Uh, I think it was under the radar. If I'm not mistaken, that was right also around the time The Count of Monte Cristo came out. And mm. I remember that people were big on The Count of Monte Cristo. But then, like, maybe a couple weeks after it came out, Spider-Man came out. The first Spider-Man sure. with Tobey Maguire came out. And then everything went to crap after that. Um, so it was kind of a, it was kind of under the radar. You know, there wasn't anything. There wasn't a big buzz or big attention. I don't know how well it did at the box office. I don't even know how well it did, like, where it got to on the uh, in the top five or whatnot. Well, that's what I'm trying to uh, kind of set us up for here. I've got Box Office Mojo sure. pulled up. So just take a guess. Top 10. It placed in the top 10. Okay. What number do you think it landed at in the opening weekend? Seven. Nine. Wow. Uh, it had a budget of $11 million. Okay. Guess what it made? Really? $11 million? Holy smokes. Um, that first weekend uh, made seven and a half. It made 13 Okay. Uh, four and it made another four. So this movie banked about $6 million. Is that just opening weekend or is that total gross? Yeah, yeah, that's the opening weekend. Okay. No, I'm sorry. That's domestic total gross. Okay. Actually, domestic total gross was 13. Okay. 13. So then you add in the foreign, four mil worldwide comes up to 17. Okay. So six million six worldwide million gross. Worldwide. That's a shame. Yeah. Here's the deal. I, when we're talking about Count of Monte Cristo, we're talking about the Antonio Banderas version. How is that right? dare you? That is incorrect. Oh. No, we're talking Jim Caviezel. We're talking Jesus, my man. All right? Oh. We're talking Jim Caviezel, Guy Pierce, um, and, and Henry Cavill. Real talk? Yeah. I did not know this movie existed right now. You could be totally working me, and I would have no idea. I want to throw, that movie exists. I want to throw my chair through a window. That movie's fantastic. Are you kidding me? I promise you. I've read the book. Yeah. The book's really good. I've seen the Banderas version or whatever. There is there a Banderas version? Yeah, it's also um oh that's standard are you, comedian. Are you thinking about Sinbad, Zorro? Sinbad's in it with him. Are you thinking about the two Zorro movies Maybe that came I out? Am. Sinbad is in Account of Monte Cristo. No, that's a joke because he's in that genie <laughs> I was movie thinking, that doesn't I was like, exist. Hold on. Whatever, dude. This is this is all bull. Yeah, and Louise Louise Guffman. 
uh, he's that Hispanic, um, Hispanic Does that need to be comedian. said? I mean, you said his name. Does it need to be pointed out <laughs> well, that he's Hispanic? I'm, I'm trying to make sure that you know what's going on. I'm trying to paint word pictures here, man. We're on a podcast. Obviously, I can't handle pictures that are moving or uh, still. Hey, here's about to blow your mind, buddy. The Count of Monte Cristo. Who? What sexy face do you see poking out through that little... I know that looks like Antonio Banderas do, but it's Jim Caviezel. There's no way that's Jim Caviezel. I promise you, sir. No stinking way. I promise you. Put it up on our... It is! I... Whatever, dude. Am I I ever wrong? No, you're not, but... I know. Dude, I thought the same thing. I thought the exact same thing. When that movie poster came out, I was like, why is it Banderas doing another Zorro movie? That doesn't make sense. And then you don't see him in the trailer at all, and then come to find out, it's Jim Caviezel. I'm blown away. Yeah. That movie made so little impact on me that... Richard I, Harris was also uh, in that movie. Yeah. Richard Harris, who played Dumbledore for the first time. Guy couple. Pierce is in that movie. Yes. As you mentioned. I did. Henry Cavill. Yeah. Um, Henry Cavill is the one that blows my mind. Some woman named Dogmara. Mm-hmm. Her parents did her no favors Mm-mm. with that name. Okay, so... <laughs> it's one of my favorite Kevin Smith movies is Dogmara. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the comedian? Can't turn it here? off. I know it. All right. So it's a all this to say. Yeah. It's a crying shame that frailty was so unappreciated in its yeah. moment, and that it remains unappreciated now. How, how many times have we said this on the podcast? Think about all the dumpster fires we've watched so far in the first ten episodes of this thing, and and how much money they've made. And and the the box office, uh, you know, like the theaters that they've been released into and stuff. And then you get a, a genuinely good movie from a, a very talented director. I don't know if that was his first attempt at, at a movie or I not. I think this was second of only three. Okay. I can't remember what the first one was, but then the third one was The Greatest Game. Okay. Ever. I think it was a Disney movie, but I've never seen it. But yeah. everybody speaks highly of it online. Okay. Yeah. So, really, to go three for three... Or whatever he is, you right. know, two out of three, pretty good. I mean, it makes me wish that we got more from Bill. As yeah, a director. absolutely. Yeah. So you got a you got a talented sophomore director. You've got a very talented cast. I mean, it's it's banked on those three performances by McConaughey, Paxton, Powers Booth. The two kids are really good too. Kids are really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've also got a like I told you, uh, Brent uh, Hanley. I keep wanting to say Brent Haley because he's a friend of mine, but Brent Hanley is the name of the writer, and that was his first feature film. That was made, and he's only written three that have been made so far. Oh wow! So I, it doesn't make sense to me. Like you, you would just imagine that this would be a, a movie that would that would garner word of mouth. You know, sure. like hey man, I went and saw Frailty. I know it's not getting a lot of press right now, but it's a dang good movie. You should go try it out. And you would think that it would be built up from there, but that's still basically how the movie is discovered, right? Somebody who's into horror. Yeah, uh, I mean, and that's what Kenny did for me. Sure, you know. I, I wasn't on my radar at all, just except that I'd seen, I may have even had a movie poster of it, because, you know, we got free movie, free posters, movie posters after sure. they were done, um, but it didn't bother me at all, and then saw it, and then I wanted everybody to see it. Mm-hmm. You couldn't even become an evangelist. Yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. Um, so, do you said that, um, I didn't look this up, you said Six Sense came out two years earlier? Yeah, Six Sense came out oh, a year and a half, I guess. Six Sense came out in the fall of 99, September of 99, August, September 99, and then Frailty came out in April of 2002. Okay. Well, that's another... So, two and a half years. I apologize. Two, two and, and a half, half years. That's another sort of inexplicable factor here, because you would think that... I mean, I can remember living through the Six Sense 
it became the It movie, right? right? And this super twist ending and all that. You would think just by being able to go, hey, you like The Sixth Sense? Go check out Frailty. Yeah. That that would have been enough to kind of propel this thing into a little bit higher uh, level of awareness in the yeah. broader culture. But, you know, at the same time, I think this might have been one of those movies that they made and then they just put it out there and there wasn't a lot of press. There wasn't a lot of hype to it. You know, mm-hmm. even with The Sixth Sense, I don't think that the first weekend was that big, but then word of mouth on the ending. And then all of a sudden you're seeing commercials pop up for it and things like that. Same thing with Paranormal Activity. You know, Paranormal Activity got a little bit of a buzz, and then it got a buzz online. And then the next thing you know, we're putting it everywhere. Yeah, the ads for it ended up just being shots of the audience freaking right. out. So I think that, that where this thing was, you know, falling, and I'm not sure who released it, but maybe they were just like, well, we got McConaughey in a movie. If we make back our budget, great. And if not, eh, whatever. So be it. And that's, and that's what sucks because it's a good movie. You would think that they would be like, hey, here's something that's actually decent in the horror genre. Worth promoting. Yeah. Completely agree. So the other thing, too, is that with The Sixth Sense, you had I See Dead People. Right. Was the kind of phrase that you could, for a little while, before it became exhausting, you could drop that on people and sort of enjoy that as a um, kind of a water cooler moment. Sure. I, mean, I wasn't standing around water coolers at the time. But right. you could just drop that line and be in the know. There's nothing that really stands out this way. There's no seminal line or seminal moment. That God you saw what you did. That's what it is. It's repeated twice, right? You didn't think anybody saw that, did you? Yeah. That, that will now be, having rewatched this, yeah. that's now going to be part of my regular uh, conversation. I'll drop that wherever I can. I think from now on, if I sing uh, George Michael or Limp Biscuit's version of Faith, I'm going to sing it like Bill Paxton. Where it's like, you got to have faith, Fenton. Are you going to sing that song very often? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> So I've been sick. I've mentioned this. <laughs> Did you not hear me sing Turn the Beat Around earlier before we went on air? Sadly, we failed to capture that audio. <laughs> uh, as I've mentioned, I think on the last episode, I've been sick now for a while. This illness has been lingering in our household. And I have. I went on a 90s pop culture binge. And I can neither confirm nor deny that I may have watched several Limp Biscuit videos <laughs> at some uh, small hour in the darkness of my bedroom as my... Hacking cough wouldn't allow me to. I hope rearrange was in there. I don't. Th- yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, what? No, no, it absolutely <laughs> of was not. not. That doesn't happen. Uh, let's see. I was trying. I'm trying to find the uh, the production company, but the, the, I'm just getting producers. I'm not getting an actual production company that released this this movie. Well, while you're looking, can I tell you something I realized on this rewatch? Yes, sir. There are. Uh, let me say. What's the right way to articulate this? One of the longest standing relationships with a horror movie, or excuse me, a horror franchise that I have mm-hmm. is uh, the CW series Supernatural. Okay. And I realized on this rewatch tonight that the reason I love Supernatural is because Frailty and the X-Files. Okay. I'd always known that I was getting from Sam and Dean some teeny bopper version of what I got from Mulder and Scully. But I'm now realizing that in some ways the X-Files was the dad in my little brain and heart. Frailty was the mama. And together their child, Supernatural, has become one of my best friends. Okay. So Frailty is the gift that continues giving in my own personal pop culture consumption. That's a... Thank you, Frailty. Yeah. Thank you, Bill Paxton. See? He didn't think he didn't think anybody else saw it. But you saw it. I wish I... <laughs> legit, if I had ever gotten the chance to meet Paxton... That would have been one of the things I said to him. One of the things I would have said to him would be, food. 
that rue the day they ever went up against the extreme vote. <laughs> it's game over, man. That's one of the things that I would have said, but that's just me. Distributor in this frailty movie, Lionsgate. Okay. That that seems like appropriate for the for the time. Lionsgate has grown up from then. Uh, not only do they have The Hunger Games and Twilight, but they gave us this year's La La Land. Nice. Did they not? Didn't Lions? Wasn't Lionsgate the distribution company behind the Saw movies as well? They I'm were, not. but that franchise should never be mentioned. <laughs> uh, that torture porn uh, stuff just man, gags me. I want to. I want to review Saw on here one day, just so you'll oh my. just so you'll trash it. Uh, That'd be fun. I hate that whole franchise. <laughs> so the production companies were David Kirshner Productions, okay, American Entertainment uh, Company. Cinerenta. Oh, that's one of the title pieces that you see on the black screen before you come in. Yeah. Uh, Cinerenta. I wonder if one of those is Paxton's. I don't even... I apologize for butchering this name. I'm not real sure. You can look it up on their Wikipedia page. I don't even want to try to attempt it because it's longer than my last name. Hmm. Yeah. So, that's a theoretical word. Those words don't exist. I know, that's right? Theory. The, here's one of your pet peeves, Jeff Wright. It is uh, known as a psychological thriller film. I hate that mess. This is a horror movie. Yeah. Now, in fairness, there's a heavier dose of psychological sure. tension in this movie. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it as I said last time, thriller is just a way to say, man, we really like this horror movie, but we're embarrassed to acknowledge that. So, yeah. Well, the, the tag words or the buzzwords on their IMDb page are crime, drama, and thriller. That's an injustice in and of itself. It really is. It's yeah. a horror movie. Yeah. Let's just own it, guys. Yeah. It, and, and think about when it came out in that 2001-2002 time frame, what was popular in horror at that time. You're looking at uh, Scream had just ended mm. its trilogy. Um, the Blair Witch Project had, that was a couple years before that, and then that gave way to ungodly amounts of garbage. By the way, yeah, I'm the world's last found footage fan. Okay. I actually did. I forgot. In my sickness and my fever dream, I watched a found footage movie called The Phoenix 97 Tapes. Okay. About an alien abduction that was all found footage. It was super short. I don't think it was even long enough to be a feature film. Yeah. But Blair Witch basically gave me that. Okay. Uh, I'm still, I'm the last person to be burned out on found footage. Yeah. So. Um, and But that was what was really popular mm-hmm. at the time was the found footage stuff. I remember, um, like... Ghost Ship came out around that time with Jeffrey oh, Rush. Oh, man. I hadn't thought about that. Um, 13 Ghosts came out uh, in the fall of 2001 with Tony Shalhoub. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the kind of stuff that was going on. And then we were a couple years away from the first Saw and the first torture porn type things. And then all of a sudden, boom, here comes this movie that shows very little gore. Mm-hmm. Um, Despite being about a serial killer. Multiple yeah, serial killers. Yeah. Um, is is innovative. It's It's fresh. And it just, nothing happens with it. That's sad, man. It's one of those missed uh, opportunities, and we're doing our part to change that. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about with the Meeks family? Um, Man, I mean, I I imagine that most people who are listening to this have seen it, so I don't feel like that it's one of those movies we have to hit plot by plot. Mm -hmm. What? No. Spoiler alert. Is he is he a serial killer or is he the hand of God? Well, okay, so that's I guess the spoiler alert territory, right? Sure. I'm surprised looking online, just reading stuff on message boards and whatnot. How many people think this is an uh, an ambiguous ending? Okay, it's unambiguous to me 
because of the FBI agent's reaction to the disappearance of Powers Booth mm-hmm. character, right? The thing that uh, Daddy Meeks tells them early on is that when they are doing the work of the Lord... Sorry, I had Daddy Warbucks in my head, so then I had a bald Bruce Paxton, uh, Bill Paxton in a tuxedo. <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> with, with small Matthew McConaughey and red-headed curls. That's how my mind works. No extra charge for that. It's a hard knock life. Instead of treated, we kill demons. I, Keep going, man. I've sung a lot on this podcast <laughs> today. You're welcome. Uh, tune in next week where I sing the entire score from La La Land. Well, you're a Hamilton junkie, so let's just get you doing the Hamilton review. You don't want me to talk. <laughs> our, our audience doesn't want me to talk about Hamilton. I'm talking Superman's case. It'll be a four-hour podcast. It'll be a Bruce Pritchard podcast where it's like four <laughs> hours on Houston wrestling. <laughs> All right, so back to the ending of Frailty. Right. Um, so Paxton's character, the father, tells his boys when he first realizes he's commissioned to do this work of demon slaying that the Lord will make them invisible anytime they're doing his work. So you get the uh, scene there after Powers Booth has been disposed of by McConaughey's character, and the FBI agents are reviewing his kidnapping. McConaughey, uh, his likeness cannot be captured by their surveillance, and the agent who interacted with him can't remember his name. And so to me... Well, he can't remember his name, can't remember his face. I'm sorry, you're right. Can't remember his face. Then when later on he goes to the small town where McConaughey's uh, Adam is the sheriff, doesn't recognize him, doesn't remember they've interacted. So... That, to me, is the sell. Okay, we're living in a world where demons are real. Yeah. This was a divine commission. And um, basically, the the father was doing the Lord's work. The older son was a demon himself mm-hmm. and out of step with God's plan. And that Adam was faithfully executing it uh, in his father's legacy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he was a demon. Yeah. Uh, what were the articles talking about? Ambi- like, how were they thinking it was ambiguous? Because to me, like, like you said, it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, there were just people saying, "Hey, I don't understand the ending. Can you explain this to me?" And I, in some ways, I, I don't think those are particularly attentive fans who are asking those questions. But I mean, a Google search, I, I can't think. Uh, BadMovie.com's message boards maybe okay. had a thread like this. So I don't think those fans are particularly attentive. But I actually think it's a testimony to the strength of the writing and the directing here. Sure. Because you, if you're not paying close attention, or I shouldn't say close attention, if you're not paying enough attention to catch the scene where his image can't be captured, they did a great job in the first four-fifths of this movie making you think Bill Paxton was off the deep end. Right. He had warped his younger son, and we were just watching one of the best studies of what it would be like to live with a, a parent with mental illness. Yeah. Uh, it's only there at the very end. And or serial killer. Yeah, and or serial killer. Yeah. Um, it's only there at the very end where the narrative flipped and right. you, you see things from a different light. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you and I have talked a lot about um, how most horror movies don't get past me. Like, I'm usually, I usually know what's going on. Uh, this was one where I was just convinced that... Bill Paxton was crazy, sure. Or he, you know, he lost his mind, or he was a serial killer, and and everything, everything that you just said, and even the flip with Fenton becoming Adam, where Matthew McConaughey's character uh, defi- uh, reveals himself to be the the younger brother instead of the older brother, that wasn't that big of a shock. But when they show um, him actually putting hands on people and their sins being revealed, that was the big shock for me. 
That's where I was like, holy smoke, so this is how it's been going. And then when you see the tape where they can't, you know, get a good picture of him because everything's distorted and the guy can't remember what he looks like and stuff, that's, to me, that was just reinforcing, um, you know, reinforcing the fact that they were agents of God. Sure. And to me, I, like, I, like I said before, I thought it was just one of the most clever endings and it probably was because I just, I did not see it coming at all. I just thought it was your cut and dry horror movie. And we've killed the big bad. Horror movie in the sense of like a Hitchcockian psychological thriller, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and uh, young man's killed the big bad. And now I'm not real sure why we're tagging on the, the rest of this. But, you know, something's about to happen. Play and then, it out. And, and then when it did turn, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. That does mean a lot more coming uh, from you than from me. Like I told you before, I think you have some secret radar for those things that I once thought that I had some version of, but being around you in these uh, reviews, I realized you have on a whole different level. Um, but it totally caught me too. Yeah. You know, I remember just marveling at the idea demons are real. The, you know, the, the Meeks family was in the right. This yeah. is all wonderful stuff. Again, testimony Paxson. Yeah. Up until that point, you, you spend it with a real sense of sadness because the, the father that we meet um, at the very beginning of the movie, single dad. Is it explained in that movie where the mom's at? Mom's dead. Yeah, mom's dead. But do we know how long she's been dead or what uh, happened? I want to say that they probably said something about it in the very beginning, mm-hmm. but I I missed it on this go around watching the movie. Yeah, I missed that completely too. Um, he's a great single dad. Yeah, small town single dad raising two boys. And there's that like straight Americana scene of, um. How'd you do on your math test? Hey, this weekend, we'll sit down and figure that out. Yeah. I wasn't too good at it myself, but we'll do it together. Yeah. Uh, and then he just shows up in the bedroom one night. Yeah. The guys get up. I've spoken to God. And I told you, I'd forgotten the, um, the, 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 uh, the idea that God first came to speak to him or the angel came to speak to him through the medium of one of his bowling trophies. Right. And a little a- uh, angel on top of that. I thought that was a delightful little touch. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I appreciate about that movie the most is that it gets the world uh, that it is trying to portray. You know, a couple a couple ways you can see this is um, he casts Southern actors mm-hmm. to play Southern characters. There's none of the guy from The Walking Dead playing the sheriff yeah. who's British yeah. trying to fake a Southern accent. Yeah, yeah. there's no Andrew Garfield and Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, none of that. Yeah. It, it's the person that... Uh, th- these people sound like the people who would live in this area. Yeah, I thought a cool little piece of trivia was the uh, the bigger kid who plays Fenton's friend. He's uh-huh. like, I sure would like to see her. I'm um, talking about Daisy Duke. Yeah, uh, he was from Tennessee, and Bill Paxton flew him to film because of his southern accent. Oh, uh, that was something I read on IMDb. So that's so, a great touch. Yeah. Though. So Bill was, re- I mean, really trying to hit authenticity here. Well, he nailed it. Yeah, I told you that I. I just happened to realize that um, Bill Paxton, before he passed, was on Mark Marin's podcast in February. Mm-hmm. And I found out there that Bill's from Fort Worth, grew up the son of a lumber, uh, I don't want to say magnate, but someone who had a very successful lumber business that was a family business. It's pretty clear, going back to small town Texas, Bill was writing and, and creating what he knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also told in that interview that at one point they were basically living in the city, but then his dad got a wild hair and moved him way out to the country. 
and I just have an I have it in my head that whatever little town he moved to when they went out way to the, into the country is basically what the little town of Enid uh, <laughs> in this movie yeah. looked like when or was it Enid that they lived it, in Enid County Enid County yeah can't remember the name of the city but I, don't, I, I imagine I'm not that sure that they like say what it is or not straight out of his own childhood yeah can we talk about the children for just a second the child yeah, actors. They've not gone on to do a whole lot to make the connection to McConaughey. You and I are both fans of his movie from 2012 called Mud. Yes. There is a very similar movie called Joe that came out the next year. And in both of those, uh, there's a, a child actor by the name of Ty Sheridan. You familiar with Ty's yeah. work? Ty is probably the best child actor I've ever seen. Okay. Particularly in a southern context that's yeah. dramatic. These guys don't rise to his level. But the kid playing uh, Fenton, at least Fenton as he's being recounted, does an incredible job of living out the agony of having a father experience a mental break yeah, and then start to do something that you're deeply uncomfortable with, but you still are caught in the tension of loving your father. Uh, for, a, for an actor that young, you know, hats off. I, yeah. it, it looks like from his IMDb page that he may have peaked in that performance. Yeah. But it's a pretty good peak, yeah. considering uh, considering his age and uh, who he was working with. They don't get lost in sharing screen time with Bill Paxton. Right. That says something. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? The, the kid playing Adam, I think he was on Friday Night Lights. I think that okay. might be his big claim to fame. Um, but, you know, I, I was thinking about this, too, man. How how great of an actor is Bill Paxton that he he shines in those scenes, but he also gives he also gives enough to get great performances out of his co-stars i was sort of helping yeah. carry them along and they're and you know and at their age you know like bill i mean bill paxton we've seen bill paxton do amazing performances and and you know several different movies and it feels like to me here that um instead of trying to steal the sh- you know steal the show or be like the big scene stealer or have his movie be a vehicle for his glory right he's very nurturing and he gives these kids these pivotal parts you know these really good chewy, like, meaty scenes to, mm-hmm. to chew on and stuff. And, um, so, yeah, th- those guys were really, really great. Um, I thought that they, they did a really good job. And, and you know, you can kind of see it when you look back, when you go back and wa- re-watch this movie after watching it for the first time, you can kind of tell that Fenton might be a little evil. Oh, sure. You know? Well, and that's particularly true after he comes out of being locked in the pit. Definitely. You know, there's there's a marked shift, and that that guy is uh, Matt O'Leary. Apparently, is that dude's name. Pretty complex change or shift to make in a character, uh, but he pulled it off really well. Yeah, yeah. He he goes real he goes real dark after that, and does does a bang up job with it for sure. Uh, let me ask you this question because we don't know Daddy Warbuck's name in this. Uh, do you think it was Otis because he wrote it on he carved it into the axe? Oh, I don't know. I took that as the name of whoever he stole it from. Okay. But it may be. I mean, just, and it was one of those things where, like, he passes it down to his child. Yeah, that's a neat little detail. I'd, I'd like to ask the writer yeah. if there was any significance or anything he was trying to say there. I hadn't considered that. Yeah. Um, he uh, can be Otis in our head canon. That can be how we think sure. of him. Otis Warbucks from now on. Otis Warbucks. Yeah. Another cool piece of trivia that I found out researching this movie was 
originally they were going to have when you when they uh, excuse me when Daddy Warbucks touches the person they were going to reveal the sins automatically. Oh, and James Cameron told Bill, "Don't do that. Wait till the very end to have a big reveal." Talk about a pro tip. Yeah, that's. I mean, that would that fundamentally changes that movie. Yeah, it makes it because without that, you don't have the incredible weight of the twist when it comes out well. Hey, James Cameron, we know you're a big fan of the podcast. Good job, man. We yeah. appreciate that note you gave. That you've served Paxton well, yeah. and we're all very thankful. And, and, you're, and while you're yeah. listening, don't do another Avatar. Um, yeah, and so I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but uh, Sam Raimi, James Cameron, and I believe Stephen King all get uh, noted in the credits as like special thanks to these three individuals. Really? No, yeah. I did not notice that. So, in which it's, you know, you and I were talking about beforehand, uh, Sam Raimi liked to cast, uh, was it John Paxton? Joe. Joe Paxton, thank you. I uh, like to cast Joe Paxton, so I would imagine this was Bill Paxton's directorial debut, by the way. And um, so, you know, I would imagine that obviously, if you have somebody like James Cameron, who is arguably the the, the well, the highest grossing director of our of our generation or of, of lifetime, and then you've got Sam Raimi, who is a, a man who is known for um, you know Evil Dead and and Spider Man and, and all sorts of Drag Me to Hell. And, people love Drag Me to Hell. I don't yeah, care for that movie I'm, at all, I'm but people love it. Um, but you know, he's, he's very innovative. Uh, he knows, he knows how to, uh, he knows how to push a dollar. He knows how to stretch a dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you've got two people like that, that are, that are at your disposal, obviously you'd want to get there. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, uh, you've got some thoughts. pretty good counselors there. Absolutely. So you'd mentioned, uh, who I called Joe Paxton just a minute ago. Yeah. It's actually John Paxton. And if any of our, um, Listeners aren't familiar. We're talking about Bill's dad, who was the inheritor of the family lumber business. But once he retired, got really aggressively into the acting game. Uh, on Marion's podcast, Bill says that he thinks had his dad not basically inherited that company, he maybe had wa- he would have wanted to be an actor. He said he took his uh, Bill. He took Bill and his older brother often to movies and cinema, and he would talk to him about art directing and you know very specific pieces of movie making. Yeah. So that guy retires, moves out to California, uh, starts working in Bill's field, ends up in all three of the Spider-Man movies that Raimi was involved in. A Simple Plan, uh, Oz the Great and Powerful, he was in Drag Me to Hell. Uh, that guy got a lot of work done. It yeah. probably doesn't hurt to be Bill Paxton's dad right. to get work, but he got a lot of work done in a very short amount of time yeah. before he died at 91 years of old and, age. And I think he may have even uh, posthumously been in... Uh, the Great and Powerful Oz. I'm sure that had to be. Yeah, I, I want to say because I want to say that I was looking at it, it said that he passed away in 11, and I know that Oz came out in like at least 13 or 14. No, you're right. He died at 11, age 91. He was in Oz the Great in 2013. Yeah. So they're digitally using him. Yeah. So that's that's pretty. Cool. We're we're quickly. This is side note, but we're quickly going to live in a world where an actor does not have to be physically in a movie yeah. to be in a movie. Well, I know that you're horribly against uh, trailers, but in the new Pirates of the Caribbean trailer, um, they do like a big flashback, and there's a young Johnny Depp, and oh. he's, his face has been CGI'd onto some young kid, and uh, so yeah. It's like Downey in... Yeah, like uh, Downey in uh, um, 
Avengers. Or, excuse me, Civil War, not Avengers. Civil War. Eh, it's still. Yeah. It, it's an Avengers movie. Um, yeah, so it's coming. And, I mean, they did that with Arnold in the, in the Christian Bale Terminator movie that got such bad flack. And in the last Terminator movie, which I thought was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed um, that. So, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's even... Uh, Ironically, James Cameron does a uh, does an episode arc on Entourage, mm-hmm. and uh, Vincent Chase is playing Aquaman that James Cameron is directing, and they're doing a bunch of their stuff on blue screens and, and stuff. And uh, Vincent Chase's manager says, "My gosh, you're doing all this on blue screen?" And uh, Cameron says, "Yep. In about five years, we won't even need actors." That's exactly right. And coming from an actor, that scares the crap out of me. But <laughs> Well, here's the thing. You can license your digital image, man, and you could be in six movies in one year, whereas you would have had to pick one project before. Sure. It may end up working. Well, that way, the, the issue will be that nobody will actually have to be a good actor. Yeah. It can just be good looking, which you've got nailed down. Oh, thank you. Um, and have a wonderful career and have no acting chops whatsoever. The people who won't survive are, to reference uh, Twister again, the people who won't survive in that kind of world are the Philip Seymour Hoffmans, who don't have the look, mm-hmm. but who, man, was can, insanely talented. can bring it in terms of making you believe the story he's telling. Yeah. Those will be the people who are kind of left out, and that's going to be a loss. Yeah. It's going to be a loss. Um Let's talk about the victims in this movie, or slash the demons, however you want to say it. How the victim demons? Yeah, often no, those words are not often put together. Um, how great were the choices on that, especially for the first two? Because you're looking at a, a nurse. Yeah, and she plays it up as the innocent victim. Yeah, I mean, at that point, we're still thinking that Daddy Warbucks has gone unhinged. Right, you're just so sorrowful that this Otis woman... has lost his mind. Yeah. And she's got the mascara running. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the old man, which, I mean, turns out to be just the most vomit-inducing, mm-hmm. you know, part. You're rooting and, for and him at the end. Yeah. Him. After that, you're like, yes, Bill Paxton. Good job, Daddy Warbucks. You did the right thing. <laughs> and then uh, Billy Idol. Right. And then Billy Idol. Redneck who, big Billy Idol. Yeah. Who, you, you're rooting to die anyway. Like, you're rooting for him to die anyway. Um, but the first two victims, you're clearly on the, oh, Otis is a... Is a raging lunatic. Mm-hmm. And then this third guy comes up, and you're like, okay, well, that's... He's he's a jerk. Yeah, he's a jerk. Probably doesn't deserve to be butchered yeah, to yeah, death in a, a yeah, murder dungeon, but... Definitely doesn't deserve to have his neck chopped off and then, you know, disembodied and buried in a eccentric way in a rose garden. Um, it's that guy, by the way, here in a minute, just to give away the end of our podcast. We always ask, did we see something scary? Mm-hmm. Um, Having seen this movie multiple times, it's it's been a minute, but yeah. I've seen this multiple times. It's at the death of uh, Redneck, Redneck Billy, Billy, yeah, Billy Idol. Idol. When you think he's gotten off because Fenton has killed Paxton's character, uh, he takes the tape off, and the thing the guy says is, No! When the younger actor, Adam, drops the axe right on his head. Yeah. I'd totally forgotten about that one, and it got me. I kind of... I don't know if I jumped back jump scare esquely, yeah. but uh, I did experience something frightening there. So. Yeah, it really is a shame that this movie doesn't get the props that it deserves. Uh, as a matter of fact, speaking of that, um, Bloody Disgusting mm-hmm. gave the film an honorable mention in their list of the twenty best horror films of the two thousands. Yeah, uh, called the film an underrated gem, a small scale, thought provoking horror film that deserves a second look. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a seventy three. That doesn't seem. I seem. I mean, it just doesn't seem. How many? How many points would you add to that? Twelve. Yeah, I mean, this movie is not 
um, name. You know, I always go to the Godfather. Sure. Name. It's not Shawshank. It's not Shawshank, but for what it attempts to be, it's pretty much perfect. Yeah. There's no real weak link in the cast. Mm-mm. The directing's great. Love yeah. It. They're not looking to reinvent the wheel Mm-mm. with this movie. They're not looking to have uh, a Godfather-esque, a Get Out. Mm-hmm. This isn't Get Out, but it's it's a B-plus in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we're using the baseball analogy, it's at least a triple. Yeah. And I think, as a fan, it's uh, Inside the Park Home Run, where the guy just hustled out sure. uh, a, a great play. Yeah. Uh, so, 73 on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 7.3 on IMDb, and uh, Roger Ebert actually gave it uh, four out of four stars, saying that it was an extraordinary work, concealing in its depths not only an unexpected story turn, uh, but also implications hidden at first that make it even deeper and more sad. Um, the only negative that I can see was from a person named Nell Minow, uh, who criticized the film as a cold reading of the script. Uh, <laughs> while one particular plot... Fight me. Uh, while one particular plot that the murders take place in front of the young sons and committed by a beloved father is considered disturbing and an abuse of the cinematic power. Ooh. Um, I mean... That is exactly why this movie's powerful. Yeah. You watch these boys and you're awash in this tragedy that right. they are having their childhood ripped end. from them. Yeah it, yeah, it ends at the end of their dad's bloody axe. Yeah. Until he brings it back around and you reevaluate the whole film. Right. That's not an abuse, it's a master use yeah. of of the cinematic. And uh, and once you realize that set. Otis isn't crazy, mm-hmm. that he's actually He's actually God's hands in this. In in a lot of ways, sort of flawed. Like, it's not good parenting strategy to lock your child in a pit. That's where I was going. But he's a deeply tragic character. Yeah. And you see him as the dad you thought he was when he first sat down to feed the boys dinner. Right. And talk about math homework. Yeah. So this whole time, he's painted, or in our our minds, he's painted as a psychopath. But in, in reality, he's just a good dad who's trying to do the work of the Lord. Mm hmm. And trying to rescue his eldest son from hell. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Willing to break with an angel. Yeah. Over uh, his son. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get grandiose. This isn't a movie who wants to be grandiose. But yeah, this is, in all the twisted qualifications you want to add, it's one of the best dads on camera. Sure. I mean, you come away kind of wishing your dad was Bill Paxton. Yeah. You know. Hey, can't say enough good things. No. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, so, on a scale of Get Out the Dumpster Fire, where would you re? Uh, where would you rank? Oh, it's certainly on the Get Out side. Yeah, you said it earlier. It's not Get Out, right? But it does a lot in less perfect fashion. The things that I like so much about Get Out, it tells a compelling story about particular characters that I care deeply about. It keeps me invested in them all along. I feel a sense of jeopardy for them all along. But then events later in the movie unlock and cause me to go back in an enjoyable way and reevaluate earlier parts of the movie. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, this is proto Get Out. Sure. You know, not to be again too grandiose, but a lot of what we like in Get Out is really present here. Yeah. Just in uh, a different vehicle, an earlier vehicle. So I don't know what you would want to give it numerically, but I'm a I'm at least an eight, if not a nine. Yeah. I I I'd say an eight. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think I think I told you before. At one point, I would have considered this in my top five favorite horror movies. Sure, it's probably still, I guess, in mind. If I Exorcist, Exorcism of Emily Rose, 
Um, get out, obviously. Then there's, you know, Frailty's on the list. Event Horizon is on the list for me. Okay. I love that movie. I love Conjuring 2. Um, so this is a candidate. Yeah. You know, it's it's somewhere between top five and top eight. Yeah. Um, I'd still say top ten, for yeah. sure. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a really great movie. Uh, I hate how underrated it is. I wish more people had seen it. And if you're listening to this podcast and you have not seen the movie yet, um, sorry for spoiling for you, but go watch this movie. Um, it's on Netflix right now, so yeah. you can stream it. Um, and that's fortuitous. I think Netflix made that decision before Paxton died. Sure. But it's great to be able to watch it in HD Yeah, just right there on Netflix. I, I saw a piece in the news today that there are now more U.S. households that have Netflix than have DVRs. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's insane. Uh, but it's right there right, waiting. And I hope I hope the Netflix audience discovers this movie. Yeah. And that they get to enjoy it and sort of sing its praises. Uh, maybe there'll be a revival here. Yeah. That'd be wonderful. Yeah, I hope. Um, I mean, obviously there's no good that can come of it. But if anything, um, when, when an actor like Bill Paxton passes away... You can go back and review his work, mm-hmm. and I hope that this is one of those movies that people go back and and look at and go, oh, okay, I didn't see this before, but this is an amazing movie. And and it's what I was telling you. I sorry to interrupt. Uh, it's what I was telling you before we went on tonight. I think this was the first real turn for McConaughey besides the Time to Kill, because the Time to Kill was like his his kind of breakthrough performance. And then he did a bunch of rom-coms and a bunch of comedies and, and a bunch of Gaga. One of those movies. I've never seen something like that. I'm, I'm unfamiliar. Um, That's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just typical Matthew McConaughey stuff. You know, him and Kate Hudson and everything. Uh, and here... Was Antonio Banderas in that? Yes. Antonio no. Banderas uh, plays Zorno in 10 Things I Hate About You... Losing guys. But he releases the Count of Monte Cristo from his prison, right? Right. Yeah. Um, which winds up being Jim Caviezel playing Jack Sparrow. It's the weirdest thing. Hey. But it works. Shyamalan did that one, right? Shyamalan did that. It made $87 million in the box office on a budget of 300000 I don't. It does not make sense to me. Was not a dumpster fire. Wasn't. We have just now captured everything about Saw Something Scary in one. Yeah. Uh, and then the weirdest thing was uh, Aaron Eckhart made a cameo in it. <laughs> and at the very end of the movie, they all gather around the screen and they go, bye-bye, man. And that's the end. That's the end. Done uh, and done. Wow, where was I going with that? I'm sorry. That was a hardcore derailing. No, it's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is the first movie we see where McConaughey has some meat on a roll and it's not just puff. You know, and and then he goes back into those rom-com movies and stuff, and, and they make money, sure. and he had a good career, but I think it was around Tropic Thunder time where, I believe the story goes, where he sat down with his agent and went, I don't want to do this crap anymore. I want to do really solid stuff. Mm-hmm. And he has since turned his career and, and shown and proven that he's not just a good-looking guy, that he actually has some acting chops. And I think this is the first time, like, that's where I'm trying to go with it. This was the first time that you see that besides Time to Kill. Like, dude actually has some acting skills, can actually, you know, do a really, really good job, and he carries this movie. Sure. We went through the IMDb page before we started, and there is an uptick. It's either right at Tropic Thunder or We Are Marshall. I can't remember which one came out first, but you just see a, if we're charting this on a line, there's a hard upswing. Sure. In his roles. And I mean, it definitely crests with uh, True Detective and Dallas Buyers Club and, uh, uh, what was it? Interstellar was it? Mm-hmm. Was it Interstellar was wonderful. Yeah. Having said that, it was funny to me. We timed it 
six minutes in McConaughey's first shirtless scene. Oh, of course. It had to happen. Yeah. And we get it before the six-minute mark. Yeah. Hey, more power to you. Whatever it takes to sell movie tickets, right? Even a rookie director like Bill Paxton knows, like, yeah, we're going to, Matt, we're going to have to have you take your shirt off uh, right around here. Uh-huh. And Let's roll film. Yeah. And go. <laughs> okay. All right. Yep. Let's just get some more in case we need it for later. Yeah. Can somebody put some uh, baby oil on Mr. McConaughey there? Yeah, just have him glisten a little bit. And now, Matt, when you uh, pick up the phone, curl it so we can get that bicep going. Get that bicep in there. Uh, all right, print. Check the gate. And uh, let's go on to uh, where we kill Bill Paxton. Let's go ahead and do that right now. You know, you were talking earlier about getting pointers from James Cameron. Yeah. One of the one of the calls that Bill would have made would have been like, hey, He's gonna. We're gonna have McConaughey sitting in an FBI office for a, a big chunk of this, and he's gonna be riding in an FBI car. Crazy idea, but I just want to double check. There's no reason I shouldn't have him completely shirtless the entire time, right? Should I, I mean it's gonna be a rainy day, but we still should just go ahead and get him with his shirt off, right? And Cameron's like, you know, I get where you're coming from. I get it. And boy, howdy, are other people gonna use that idea? But we're gonna let him tell you, put a shirt on. Cameron goes, look. As, as a guy who put Arnold Schwarzenegger naked in three movies, uh, less is more. I'm going to use digital technology to get more <laughs> naked Arnold Schwarzenegger into my movies. I'm still going to tell you to put a shirt on. Yeah. Uh, Bold move. But if, you know, he's like lounging around with a beer or something at his house, throw a shirt off Hulk of him. Hulk Hogan him, man. Yeah. Tear that thing right exactly. off. Exactly. When it comes crashing down and hurts inside, take that shirt right off of him. <laughs> Whatever it takes to make it. It won't help to hide. Those abs. He's a real American. <laughs> fighting for the rights of every man. That's right. And killing demons. That's how he's fighting. Yeah, of course. Of he's dropping the big axe on him. Yeah. Chop it down with the edge of my hand, as Jimi Hendrix said in uh, Voodoo Child. <laughs> now we've hit both Babyface and Heel Hulk Hogan. We have covered pretty much every rabbit trail that can be taken off of this movie as well. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time we have for today on Everything But the Movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, speaking to our audience, looking at the metrics for our podcast, thankfully, uh, I feel very fortunate for this, we have increased, you know, a fairly decent percentage of viewers every week. We we took, however, last week, our biggest leap forward Nice. in people who are listening to this podcast and downloading it. So I'm very thankful for that. And want to say thank you to anyone listening to this and also very thankful uh, for any of you who have chosen to tell someone else, hey, check this out. Uh, thanks for being part of this. When we first started this project, I didn't know who would listen. Sure. I've ended up finding some pretty good horror movie podcasts, uh, just kind of figuring out where the lay of the land is and following and listening. Uh, I'm glad to be part of that number, and I appreciate the fact that we're kind of growing up on that list a little bit, too. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, it's always good to know that uh, people are appreciating what you're putting out there. Or at least so. taking the time to listen. Yeah. Even if you're listening and making fun or riffing on us, hey, we're, we're good for that. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Yes, definitely. And uh, and in that same vein, much like we talk about every week, uh, do us a favor, rate, review, subscribe um, to any of your podcast channels, whatever you're on. I believe we're on everything now, aren't we? We're on everything I know of. Yeah. Acast, uh, even some of the more new platforms. Yeah, we're on stuff I didn't even know about. And I'm getting emails and it's like, hey, you're on our channel now. And I'm like, I don't know who you are, but thank you. That's yeah, great. we're glad to, to to partner with those to, to yeah. get content out there. Uh, and and uh, if you are a if you're a iTunes subscriber, uh, give us some give us some reviews, man. We really need those reviews. That helps our algorithm. It gets our name out there more for people who want to hear a crazy horror podcast. Uh, hopefully, people who who want to be part of that conversation. Definitely, you know, I, I enjoy sitting across from you talking about this. 
but I also enjoy those chances we've had to hear back from fans yeah. and who uh, chip in and kind of carry on the conversation when we're done uh, on the audio. We get to continue it on various social media and other forums, so that's that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, also, want to point out, uh, I subscribed to uh, the Shazam cast today, mm-hmm. and I really, really enjoyed it. I listened to the first couple episodes. So uh, that's a sister podcast of ours. So make sure and go subscribe to the Shazam cast. I'm saying that right, right? The yeah, Shazam that's cast. kind of you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, make sure and go do that as well. Um, Jeffrey, where can they find you on social media? I'm right, Jeff, on Twitter and basically every other social media platform. Speaking of which, let me ask you this. Um, what is your blog? Just in case people want to go back and read those horror posts, because I know that you you posted pretty frequently about horror movies. Do you still continue to do that? Yeah, I try to do some movie reviews and okay. stuff too. I, I I tell people I write there semi regularly. Yeah, it's basically just an outlet if I have something I want to say and want people to bounce back. It's jeffwright dot exaltchrist dot com. Okay, and uh, I'll I'll put in. Um, the subreddit, maybe on some of the social media too, a link to those. I've done two of those underrated scare movie posts. Yeah. Love to hear people kind of uh, feedback on that. And speaking of that subreddit, Jeff Wright, where can they find us on that? It is reddit.com forward slash r forward slash saw something scary. And while we're at it, what would that Twitter handle be? It's at scary podcast. And if somebody wanted to connect with us on Facebook, where would they go? They'd go to facebook.com at a forward slash, and it's also their scary podcast. Fantastic. And uh, we've got sawsomethingscary.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to submit to you right now uh, on the podcast that you and I start writing articles for that as well. Okay. Yeah. I'm game just for all that. something out once a week just to, to get the fan base going. I well, that's basically why we have a companion site. Right. It's if we want to do more. And I'm all about writing. Yeah. I think that'd be a great idea. Uh, what else do we have? What do we want to watch next? You have come up with a couple proposals. I'll let you pick. Yeah. Um, so I think we go with The Witch yeah, next. That'd be fun. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. And then what were some other ones that we were throwing out tonight? We talked about, um, I think it's Behind the Mask. Yes. Uh, yeah. The, the Leslie Vernon story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely want to do that. That's a good one to go back and see. Those are, I think, those are just two good options. I give sure. us two weeks. Yeah. We'll come back after that with another list and yeah. nail some stuff down. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, two weeks uh, after these next two weeks, where we do the witch and we do behind the mask. We will put out uh, a poll. Okay. And yeah. let let the listeners and we can put it out on all of our all of our channels, and that way you guys can have a little say so in this as well, and let us know what you'd like for us to do next. <coughs> Exorcism of Emily Rose. <clears throat> that, we'll, we'll, sorry. Definitely I told put, you I've been sick. We'll definitely put that on the list. Uh, we'll also get you a lozenge so that that stuff doesn't happen again. Uh, we're trying to do podcast gold here, man. Sorry. Can't be caught in the microphone. Uh, you can find me at Derek Zoo on all social media platforms. Uh, and do want to mention to our friends in Oak Ridge, I am headlining the Grove Theater and not this Saturday, but the Saturday on the 18th, the day after St. Patrick's Day. So, if you're uh, trying to find a cure for your green beer hangover from St. Patrick's Day, come see me at the Grove. Uh, doors open at 7, show starts at 8 o'clock, and we'll have a good time there. Hey, before we leave, yeah, I mentioned it earlier, and we didn't actually formally do it. Did we see something scary tonight? Yes. What was scary tonight for you, Derek? Um, for me, it was uh, just psychologically scary for the fact that... Um, Would you say you were thrilled or you were horrified? I was horrified. I was not thrilled by the psychological tension. Yes. Yeah, I'm the same way. You, you, you're afraid for Paxton. Yeah. You're afraid for the boys. Yeah. When he, 
there's a scene where um, Fenton is going to be disciplined by his dad. And he tells his son to get down in the pit where they've been killing demons. He's already told him by that point, you're a demon. The angel told me that. He told me to kill you. Uh, get in the pit. At that point, on the initial watch, you're wondering, is this the end of Fenton's yeah. life? And so when his dad grabs him and starts hauling him down in the hole, you're terrified for the boy. Yeah. It turns out that he's just locking him in there for discipline, but... uh and I say that like that's not a big deal. <laughs> Just compared to being murdered by your dad with an axe, that's not as big a deal. Yeah. Uh, but at that point, you're legitimately on the edge of your seat. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we saw something scary. Was it thrilling? Sure, it was thrilling, sure. but it was much more horrifying. Yeah, this wasn't a jump scare type movie, um, but it definitely was. fills you with a sense of dread. It's what I think is commonly called Hitchcockian. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's playing with your head. Yeah. Um, so we saw something scary. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think that the the first thing for me was when he raises the shovel after they've killed the sheriff. Oh, that's right. And Finn's kind of back talking yeah. him. And, and, you, know. and you think like, oh, here it is. You know, maybe he's not going to kill Fenton, but something's about to happen. He's going to lose control. Yeah. And because at that point, you still don't know that he's doing the Lord's work. <laughs> that's weird to say. Uh, yeah, definitely saw something scary. Uh, and this is a great movie. Again, if you have seen it, and you haven't seen it in a while, it's on Netflix. Go back and watch it. Or if it's in your personal movie collection, which it ought to be by now, put it in there as well. If you Five dollars as of this taping, five dollars on Blu-ray on Amazon. Holy smokes, that's that's enough for me. I'm gonna go buy it right now when we get off this uh thing. So five dollars there. Um definitely go watch the movie. Thank you so much to Ryan M. Brewer for our theme song. Uh you can find him on Twitter at Ryan M. Brewer or at Ryanmbrewer.com. He's also on Spotify and Pandora at Ryan M. Brewer. So make sure and check him out. Very, very talented singer-songwriter. And we thank you so much for uh, the theme song. Guys, next week we're going to watch The Witch. And uh, it's going to be great. And until then, thank you again so much for listening. And we'll see you next time. That's a bottom line.